I'm Julianne DeLynn Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Welcome, Michael Ash. Hi, Julianne. An interesting topic today because we're discussing how the Book of Mormon plates were stored and found by Joseph Smith. Yeah, I find this to be a very fascinating topic because it's based on physical things that uh, tie Joseph to the Gospel and to the ancient inhabitants of the Americas. Let's talk about how Joseph discovered the Book of Mormon plates. Well, Moroni came and visited Joseph, and, and this was uh, you know, sometime after Joseph had had his first vision, and he was praying again to know uh, his standing before the Lord. Uh, you know, he's a young man maturing and making, you know, s- uh, silly decisions like anybody that has a teenager knows or remembers from their own past teenage years. And Moroni appeared and told him uh, that there was this record buried in the hill, which later the Latter-day Saints referred to as Camorra. And in this record, uh, description of the ancient inhabitants of the New World. And so Moroni showed Joseph first in a vision where the plates were stored and basically later led him to him. And, and it was on this, this hill where uh, a stone box was buried, mostly under the ground, but the lid to this stone box, a stone lid, was sticking up above the ground. And so it kind of looked like a just a a rock or maybe a, a flattened rock a little bit and Joseph pried that up and uh, looked inside and that's where the golden plates were stored as well as the interpreters uh, what we've referred to many times as the Urim and Thummim but some of the tools that Joseph Smith later used for translating and they were laid inside this stone box and they were laid uh, across these uh, basically strips of cement or, or, or uh, stone that were in the bottom. He said they were placed on top of these. And uh, Joseph ended up meeting with Moroni uh, three different times before he could get the plates, before he matured a little bit more in the gospel. And, and when he retrieved those, um, it's interesting that I think it was Martin Harris that later on went to look for the box and said that it had been washed down the hill. Um, and, and that sure would have been an interesting thing to have saved. It's too bad some early Latter-day Saints didn't kind of use a little foresight and think, uh, boy, we ought, ought to hang on to that stone box because that would be something that could be maybe in the LDS uh, museum. But as it was, it was a you know box that just kind of washed away after it had been dug up. What exactly were the plates made of? They were referred to as golden plates. They couldn't have been pure gold. They would have been too soft and too heavy. If you have a 14-karat gold ring, for instance, most people have that for wedding rings. They either have white gold or yellow gold. Uh, That's 58% gold and 42% alloys that make it strong. And there's different types of uh, materials that are mixed with gold to make it strong. And and bronze uh, or or brass is what uh, we know as bronze today could have been mixed with that as well. And and the ancient uh, Americans made this uh, gold mixture, which they referred to as tumbaga, which would have been maybe about 10 to 12 karat gold. And it was easier to hammer and scribe on. It would have lasted longer and so forth. And so we refer to them as golden plates because that's what they look like. But they were in all likelihood gold with other 
alloys mixed in it. You're saying that there have been other plates found that are made of a bronze or brass. Yes, uh, there have been a lot of plates found. And, and, And this is what's interesting is that in Joseph Smith's day, there were some records uh, or some discussion, at least in in books about perhaps metal plates or metal writings, I should say, more than anything else. But when Joseph Smith came forward with these golden plates, uh, the critics were were quick to jump on it. They referred to it as the gold Bible. And uh, one critic uh, who was a preacher by the name of Reverend Land, uh, he wrote in 1887, so this is about 50 years after... Joseph translated the place that he said that, you know, it's, it's preposterous that you'd have anything like gold plates or any kind of uh, plates. And for dozens of years, critics have, have claimed that there was no writing on metal plates. And now we have actually found many writings on metal plates. Uh, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was a copper scroll, actually, that had writing on it. And uh, it was very hard for them to unroll these, obviously, as you can imagine, you know, in in time. Uh, And and it was written in kind of a a cramped cursive uh, script, which in a sense is reformed Egyptian. And that was an example of writing on metal plates. Uh, In in fact, one of the critics that knew about the Dead Sea Scroll said, well, okay, there's a metal scroll, but there's no metal plates. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Joseph still, still made it up. But now we just have dozens and dozens of of uh, these plates made of bronze and gold and silver that are inscribed with Hebrew and Egyptian. And, and a lot of these come from ancient old world settings that fit right in with Lehi's time. And some of these plates are even bound together with metal rings, which is how the Book of Mormon plates were described as well. Uh, so it fits exactly the world of Lehi as is described by the Book of Mormon and as was claimed by Joseph Smith. And what about stone boxes? Yeah, these plates have been found uh, sometimes in, in conjunction with stone boxes, or stone boxes have been were used in the ancient old world to bury other kinds of, uh, I wouldn't say treasures, but but treasures to people. They, they, were, they were important things, and they would have these uh, sealed lids on them, and they were uh, made of stone, and seal lids to keep the dirt and the elements out. In fact, uh, that's one of the interesting things about, again, the, the Book of Mormon plates is they were laid up on top of these, uh, these stone slabs inside the box to raise them up so any kind of moisture in there wouldn't have corroded them. And that's what we find sometimes in the ancient old world as well, is, is that they were uh, uh, aware of how to store the metal objects so they wouldn't corrode and, and used great care to make sure that these objects were preserved. So metal plates, stone boxes, both claimed by Joseph Smith and archaeologically uh, verified. Well, Michael, I think this is one of the most compelling discussions that we've had from your book, A Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Who would have thought and what would he have thought if these discoveries had been made and as common when he transcribed the Book of Mormon? Yeah, exactly. In fact, for many years after Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon, you didn't hear any LDS scholars or non-scholars, you know, talking about, because they thought it was, you know, was most likely an oddity as well. It, it wasn't something that they could point at evidences and say, see, here's all these other uh, metal plates. But 
you know, thanks to the work of non-LDS scholars all over the world, we know that uh, these types of things actually existed. Now, where can we find your book? Uh, my book of Faith and Reason can be found at uh, the Fair Mormon Bookstore. If you go to fairmormon.org, uh, you can find it at Amazon. Um, you can get it in some of the Deseret bookstores or definitely orders through their system. Barnes & Noble has it, I believe, through their system as well. So a lot of different sources that you can acquire a copy. Thank you, Michael Ash. Thank you, Julianne. Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne DeLynn Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith. Michael R. Ash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.